Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. We have chosen to read from the book of 1 Kings to begin our study this evening, our message this evening. 1 Kings chapter 20, very interesting uh, passage of scripture. I want to talk to you tonight about God of your valley. God of your valley. And I pray that as we go through our study this evening, that uh, you will, in your mind, connect it with what we are doing right now, what we are experiencing right now, because we have, we have some encouragement from God's word. We have some assurance from God's word that we're not alone in this journey. We're not alone in this battle. But listen with me. 1 Kings chapter 20, beginning with verse 26. I'm going to read down through verse 29, four verses. It came to pass at the return of the year that Benadad numbered the Syrians, went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went against them. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. Uh-huh. Poor little bunch. But the Syrians filled the country. My, my. And there came a man of God. Uh-huh. This is better. There came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, the Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. That's why we haven't been able to whip them. Therefore, will I deliver all this great multitude in thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And they pitched over one, over against, one over against the other seven days. And so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined, and here's the result. The children of Israel slew of the Syrians and hundred thousand footmen in one day. I think I want to be on their side. Yes, this little flock side, I want to be on that side. God bless tonight the studying of your word. Bless your word to our hearts, our minds. May we find strength, oh God, and encouragement, challenge, and motivation because of what you give us through your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The Syrians were, they were kind of like the Philistines. They were a constant battle uh, to the people of Israel. Seemed like every once in a while they were coming against Israel and fighting against them. In fact, if you look to the scriptures, the very word, the term Syrian is in some 50 verses, over 50 verses during this, this period of time that you read in the book of Kings. And once again, Syria comes to destroy Israel. Looks like they'd give up eventually, but they didn't. That's just like the enemy. And Israel is compared to two little flocks of kids. Two little flocks of kids. And it is said of the Syrians that they just fill the countryside. The odds were saying to Israel, you can't win. You're on the losing side. You're outnumbered. 
frustrated, throw up your hands. The enemy is too large, powerful, too great. But the man of God steps on the scene and he says to the king of Israel, because the Syrians have said the Lord is God of the hills and he's not God of the valleys, therefore I will lift up and deliver all this great multitude into thine hand and ye shall know I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am God of the valley. I am God in the sunshine. And I am God in the rain. I am God when you're feeling good. And I am God when you're feeling bad. Now, I don't know who the God was of the Syrians. I did, did figure that out. I never did find out who the God of the Syrians was. But you know what? I did find out who the God of Israel was. I didn't have too much searching to figure that one out. I knew, in fact, it's the same God that's here tonight in our humble gathering. Benedict, that proud, egotistical king of Syria, after he saw 100,000 of his men slain in that one day, my, what a battle, he suffered a humiliating defeat. And I want to declare to the enemy today who is fighting, as it were, against the people of God, you're going to suffer humiliating defeat after a while. And this expression here, two little flocks of kids, that's like a, you know, a denigrating statement. These people, you're, you're inferior and you, you'll never amount to very much. It reminded me when I read that passage again of what Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. Fear not, little flock. <laughs> Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure Amen. to give you the t kingdom. Now, we are in the minority as far as religion is concerned and society is concerned, we are the, in the minority. We are in the minority when we emphasize baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and necessity. Being filled with the Holy Spirit evidence with speaking other tongues is a necessity. We may be in the minority, which we are, but one of these days we're going to be in the upper priority because the trumpet's going to sound and we're going to go home to be with the Lord. Amen. Now, it, it's already settled. It is already settled that two little flocks of kids are the winners. The minority are the winners. If we're on the Lord's side, we're a winner. Now, again, here comes Syria again. About 15 years later, uh, they figure out a different motive, oper operation, if you will, to defeat the people of Israel. You see, the enemy never gives up. He never stops. You kick him out one day, he'll come in another way. You kick him out the front door, he'll try to get in the back door. That's the way it is. Benadab, the king of Syria, here's, here's, here's the beginning of the story here, the connection. Benadab, the king of Syria, he kept forming his army together in a certain place to fight against Israel. And then when he got to, ready to fight, Israel was gone. Somebody was telling on him, telling uh, the king of Israel where Benadab was gathering his army together to fight. It embarrassed him. And someone, he begins to ask around, How, who is this that's telling off on me and telling the king of Israel where I'm going to fight them? And somebody said, well, I know who it is. It's that prophet. 
that Elisha. And so in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13, he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And he was told him, saying, Behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses, here we go again, horses and chariots and a great host. He's going after one man. And he came by night, the sneaky, and he compassed the city round about. This just covered it up, went around the city. And when the servant of the Lord, the servant of the man of God, was risen early and gone forth, I suppose to wipe the sleep out of his eyes, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how are we going to do? And he answered, Elisha answered, Fear not. Why, we're surrounded, Master. Fear not, I said. There's more of them than there are of us. Fear not, I said. Why, they got horses and chariots and a whole host of army out there. Fear not. (laughs) Fear not. Oh, God, help us to have that same feeling and realization while we're confronted with all of this that's going on. Fear not, for they that be with us are more, my, my. But it's just you and me, Master, and there's hundreds out there. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, I'm asking you, open my servant's eyes that he might see what I already see and he's not capable of seeing. And the Lord opened his eyes and the young man looked around that coast that was compassing, encompassing the city. He looked beyond the obstacle. He looked beyond the pressures. He looked beyond the enemy and on the mountainsides all around were the host of Israel, God full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha, servant of God, you're in the hand of God. Everything's going to be all right. You're in this hollow of his hand and no man can take you out of his hand. Hallelujah. Now, Elisha here, he could have called fire down from heaven. His master, his, his, yeah, his master did, I guess we could put it that way. But Elisha, he doesn't even gather an army to defeat the hosts of Syria. What he did was said, God blind these fellows and every one of them all of a sudden can't see a thing and then he leads this great host away from Dothan down I don't know how far it was didn't try to figure it out to Samaria which is the capital of Israel talking about humiliation when they finally got their eyes open when they were in in Samaria here they were in the enemy's camp to them it was the enemy now during this dark period that we find ourselves enduring, we are being challenged, challenged again and again by the enemy. Give up. Throw up your hands. You might as well sit sit down and mope a while because the enemy is greater in number than we are. Now, that may be true, but who's counting numbers? (laughs) When it comes to God, we don't have to worry about numbers. I'm not going to get out my calculator and my adding machine and see who's who. There's something that's interesting to me. Just about every day, every day, they show what's happening concerning this virus situation, COVID-19. I don't know what COVID means, but COVID-19. There is a scarf lady. She gives her opinion about what's going on. 
And, and she, she's a very intelligent woman and very knowledgeable about, about what she's talking about. I'm not degrading her in the least. And then there's Dr. Fauci. He'll tell you about, ooh, it's got to get here, and then it's got to get there, and then it's got a little, and he's got that all figured out, the information. And you also have the running scale about the different states and how many's got it and how many has died. And I'm certainly, I'm certainly uh, in thinking about those who have died, even if there's one, that's too many. Too many. You've also had the running scale about all these things, the virus and whatever. In fact, when they first started, it's kind of reminded me of this old uh, global warming mass, global change thing, whatever they call it. They got it. Where they figured it all out is computers. These big scientists got their heads together and said, this is what's going to happen. Well, they've been saying it for 40, 11 years, and it still hasn't happened. And say, when they started, they said 2.1 million people are going to die if we don't get things straightened out. Well, it hasn't reached that, and it's not going to reach that. But anyway, but my question is, my question is, how many times in all of those times when they get together and give their expert advice about what's happening and what's going to happen, how many, and, and they give you all those numbers. I think now we're, we're getting close to 60,000 here in the United States that have died from this coronavirus uh, disease, sickness, or whatever. Right. And, and again, that's, that's sadness in our heart when we think about all the precious people that have died. But I think if they were honest with us, it wouldn't be nearly 60,000 that have died of the coronavirus, but it's all those plus the flu, plus the heart attacks, plus the other things because of the condition of the body. But give or take here. Have you ever heard them say how many survived? Have you ever heard what the percentage of those who received the, the, and had this terrible disease or sickness, again, whatever you call it, how many, how many times have you heard, but this many have survived it? This many has had it and survived it. Well, I read somewhere it was 98%. I think if I went to the doctor and the doctor said, sir, you got some sickness, you got cancer, but you have a 98% advantage or percentage that you will survive. I'm not going to drag my feet going home. I'm going to say, "Woo! thank God. I'm going to lick this thing. Now, I don't know exactly, but anyway, I repeat again, Jesus Christ is God of this valley. Paul tells us in Romans 8, 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let us hold on to the unchanging promises of God. Let us embrace his word and his truth. Let us not allow us to diminish our feelings toward salvation, toward God, toward worship, toward our looking at God's promises. I would say again, Look like Elisha told his servant, look beyond the troubles. Look beyond COVID-19. Look, be, look un, as, as it was David, look unto the hills from which cometh my help. The sun, my friend, is going to shine tomorrow. I'm going to shout. Well, I'm shouting now, but I'm going to shout, really shout tomorrow. Because there is an end. This too shall come to pass. And we're going to be rejoicing together tomorrow. 
to our church family we're addressing here tonight. I'm looking forward to see your happy faces. And I believe they're going to be glowing like the sunshine when we come together to worship King. But until then, until then, we refuse to surrender to the pressures of the enemy. Now here, here's about this as far as I'm concerned. The one thing that has disappointed me uh, concerning the decisions that have been made concerning this COVID-19 enemy that is attacking our country is the decision they've shut down everything, almost. Oh, there's a few things left. I know one, one, one state where the governor says you can buy a boat, but you can't put a motor on it. Or you can buy a gun, but you can't get ammunition for it or something like that. But anyway, the one thing that's disappointing is they shut down the churches. They've, re they've reduced and obligated us to gather like we are gathered here this evening. Just a handful, but all you wait. This action to me seems to infringe upon my constitutional rights to freely assemble. And while we can, we can and do pray and worship God at home, in small numbers like we are here this evening, I look forward to the day when once again those swinging doors out there at the opening of this church, Medora Pentecostal Church, I'm looking forward to the day when they're going to be opened again and we're going to come in here again and we're not going to give bumps. We're going to give some hugs. We're going to give some high flies. We're, uh, we're going to give some hugs, if you will, when we come in. In fact, I would do that right now for but don't tell anybody. Don't tell that's that, that, that Dr. Fauci. I believe one of the greatest actions, this is me, I believe one of the greatest actions that I could, uh, that our president could do at this time would be to suggest let's open all churches. Let's open the doors to all churches. And another thing would go right along with my feeling here that he would declare Congress would be shut down for a week or two and prayer be declared, beginning in the Oval Office and down through the halls of Congress and in both arenas and places where they gather together and fuss to one another. Give us a prayer meeting. Give us a prayer meeting. When they put together this great constitution by which we live, they had prayer. Mr. Franklin encouraged it. Let's have three days of fasting and prayer before we make these serious decisions. Oh God, help us to keep our minds focused on those things that are spiritual. Now, that passage in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, you know, you that are here know what it is. That passage in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it's still there. It's still there, and it still reads the same. It hasn't been changed. If my people, that's me and you, if my people, which are called by my name, yeah, I've been baptized in his name, shall humble themselves, there's the need, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will he forgive their sin and will heal their land. Oh God, may we have a prayer meeting that will sweep across this country of ours, this nation of ours, and conquer COVID-19. 
Paul said in Romans 8, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Not COVID-19. Shall tribulation, our distress, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our peril, our sword? Not COVID-19. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through, uh, thus, uh, through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, I've made up my mind, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor COVID-19 shall separate us, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whether I'm gathered with 10 people, or gathered with 100 people, or 1,000 people, or 10,000 people, I'm still going to praise my King. Hallelujah. Again, in John, 1 John 4 and 4 is where John said, greater is he, sounds like Elisha, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, let me say, don't allow this valley that we are traversing because of this virus overcome you, but you be an overcomer. If you are Holy Ghost filled, if you are water baptized in Jesus' name, you're a child of God. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. My Jesus, your Jesus, is the God of the valley in our life. You may not be able to come to church during this period, and we can't or we don't, but this doesn't mean that you cannot still come before the throne in your home. Jesus, after all, is not in a building He's in this building. He's in, in your heart and in your life. And he is in this valley with you. You are an overcomer. In fact, I read someplace in the Bible, uh, must have been just a teenager, a teenager, mind you. He was on a hillside looking at his enemy on the other hillside, and he decided to fight that enemy. So he went down into the valley. Uh-huh. He's God of the valley. Down in that valley, he got one little rock to go with his sling. And with that one rock and one sling, he killed the enemy. He killed the enemy. I even read about a man that had an enemy facing him that was kind of like the Syrians. It was 135,000 of them, and he only had 300. He only counted 300 that was willing to go fight the battle with him. Well, 300. They had a light in one hand and a sword, a, a trumpet rather, in the other hand. And they defeated 135,000. God gave them victory. You think we're going to win? I know we're going to win. I even read of a man which the, he had thousand, a thousand enemies come against him, getting ready to kill him, drag him off and kill him. And he looked around, he found a jawbone of an ass, mind you. He picked up that jawbone and killed a thousand to victory. Mm, mama, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You may, not, you may not need a sling or a rock, but you got Jesus. You may not find a jawbone, but you can find Jesus. How was it that the psalmist, I mentioned this some time ago recently, the psalmist said in 84 and 6, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. Yes, this word Baca means weeping, weeping. 
I think, I think this is applicable. We're in a valley, and Baca, weeping, accompanies our existence to so many. And the psalmist said, what does the psalmist say? He says, make it a well. All right. My, my. Don't allow this time of trouble to defeat you. If you're weeping tears, if you feel frustration, let it drive you to the Lord. Let it drive you. Let your tears at such a time drive you to read your Bible, to study your Bible. Let it drive you to your prayer closet. Don't let tears beat you down, but let your tears bring you to God. After all, the prophet Isaiah said in 12 and 3, with joy shall we draw waters out of the wells of salvation. So make a well out of your tears. Make a well out of your problems. Make a well out of your frustration. Make a well out of it. Keep shedding those tears. Make a well out of it and then drag from those well, that well and those tears. Jesus is God of my valley. And you know, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, <laughs> wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If it's, in, if it's in a den of lions, the Lord's there, there's victory. If it's in a fiery furnace, there's victory. If it's in COVID-19, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is victory. And the Spirit is in your house. If you're a child of God, it's in your house. Hold on, hold on. Again, it was David who said, and, and, uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When we read that verse, we, we, we maybe focus on the term death. Death. But stop and think about the term shadow. I walk through the valley of the shadow. Now, there is, there is no way you can have a shadow without a light. No way that we can have a shadow unless there's a light creating that shadow. And so I tell you what I'm going to do. I hope you'll do it with me. When I look at this deathly situation we are finding ourselves in and we see a shadow, I want, I want, it's causing a shadow. I want to look and figure out where that light's coming from that's causing this shadow. And if I can look beyond, I see the sun the son of righteousness that's bringing healing in his wings. Hallelujah. He is the God of our salvation. He is the God of our valley that we're going through. He's on your side, pilgrim. Amen. And he'll never let you down. He'll never let you down. You know, the bones, I read somewhere, the bones of Muhammad are in Medina the, whole, the bones of Confucius are in Shantung. The cremated bones of Buddha are in Nepal. And there are literally tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands each year that will make pilgrimages to these places and uh, worship, if you will, at their burial places. Well, I know of a place I had the honor of seeing that place where they claim is where our Lord was buried. It's just like a cave dug out of the side of the mountain, the rock in Jerusalem, a cave, Joseph, Joseph's cave that Jesus borrowed for three days and nights. 
This is the tomb. This is the tomb. No ashes in there. Uh-uh. No body in there. Uh-uh. <laughs> no bones in there. Uh-uh. <laughs> Muhammad, you're dead. I know you claim you went to heaven, but you didn't. You're dead. And, and all the others as well. Mr. Buddha, you're dead. And Confucius, you're dead. But my Jesus, that tomb is empty. He's alive. He just needed it for three days and three nights. And then he came forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave. <laughs> My Jesus, he is God of this valley. And I'm going to trust him. I'm going to lean on him. I'm going to praise him. And we're going to get through this valley. Amen. Hold on, pilgrim. Hold on and praise God every day. Praise God. Get up in the morning and praise God. Amen. I don't need to be personal, I guess, but when I get up in the morning and sit on the side of my bed, I thank the Lord. And then when I start through the day to take my shower, I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. It, this, this is, uh, he's in my presence. He's in my, in my house, in my home. And I recognize he's with me. I may be living by myself, but I'm not living by myself. I may be alone, but I'm not alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there's times when we just have a talk together. Praise God, because he is my companion. He is my God. He is the God of my valley. And I'm looking forward to the time when I'm going to get out of this valley and I'm going to walk up that mountaintop and I'm going to stand on the mountaintop of glory one of these days and shout for in the presence of God, let's go to church. Let's come to church. Let's have church. Let's praise the King. Hallelujah for his blessings upon our life. Ain't God good? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for sharing with us in our study today. And again, let's look up. Not down, but let's look up. Because God, He's the God of our valley. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com